situation we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network, the world for people who think... Hello, welcome back to Behind the Headlines. It is January 21st, 2018. I am Harrison Cayley. Joining me today, as usual, we've got Elon Martin. Hi, everyone. Joe Quinn. Hi there. And Neil Bradley. Hi, everyone. It is day two of the Turkish invasion of Syria. But uh, before we get into the details, I just want to let everyone know that the calls are open as usual. We've got uh, the chat room open as well. So if anyone wants to call in and uh, tell us we're wrong or ask us some questions or just share a comment, feel free to do so. We especially we especially like being told we're wrong. Yeah. And yeah, do call in if you want to. Yeah, we welcome people berating yeah. us too. Because, you know, resentment is a very bad thing. Resentment, if left unspoken, mm. spreads like cancer. You really want to let it out. Speak your truth, as Jordan Peterson would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're a highly educated job, educator... Sir. Or, um, you know, someone who isn't very educated, doesn't matter. Feel free Either to way. call in. Either way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obviously, we have strong points of view here, but uh, we will extend you every courtesy. Uh, no, we don't. But we'll, we'll also reciprocate. If, uh, <laughs> we also don't believe anything, really. So we're kind of nihilists in that way, you know. <laughs> we're nihilists. Um, yeah. So getting on with the show. Uh, yesterday... Uh, some pretty surprising news um, kind of came out of nowhere in the sense that um, while Turkey has been threatening, um, you know, big re- big on the rhetoric against the, the Syrian Kurds, um, you know, threatening invasions in, of one sort or another um, for a while now, not many people thought that they'd actually follow through with it. But yesterday, um, the Turkish Air Force, well, first of all, they sent a bunch of military to the border. Of Syria, this is in the pretty much like kind of northwest Syria, so um, just on the border with Turkey. Um, Turkey has uh, occupied some area with like their their you know Turkish supported Free Syrian Army, so-called rebels, kind of somewhat in the middle of the the border, and then on the to the east of that, the, there's the whole you know east of the Euphrates is occupied by um, the the Syrian Kurds and the, um, you know, under the umbrella of the U.S.-backed so-called SDF, Syrian Democratic Forces, which is a kind of coalition led by YPG, um, you know, Kurdish militias, as well as some uh, Arab militias, um, you know, under that rubric. And then there's the, the, you know, FSA Turks in the middle. And then there's this little canton uh, called Afrin to the west of that. And uh, so yesterday, or the day before, in the in the last couple of days, Turkey has been kind of building up some military there, sending tanks and troops, and uh, kind of funneling some some of their own rebels from um, like Idlib and uh, other areas into Turkey, and then around you know on the Turkish side of the border with Afrin, um, you know, preparing it seemed for an invasion. And again, most people thought they weren't going to do it. And then yesterday, um, there was some like uh, cross border fire. And the Turkish Air Force launched something like 72 jets. Um, that was one number I, I saw. Another number was lower, like something like in the 20s, but basically dozens of jets to launch um, something like 
um, 100, uh, between 100 and 200 airstrikes. And according to the Turkish military, they uh, they obliterated like a 103 targets or something out of uh, some 120 something targets that they designated as you know YPG terrorist held targets. And that was followed today by a ground invasion um, with you know top of the line Turkish tanks um, and um, again using uh, you know so called we can say Syrian um, rebels, you know, that fight along with them, the Free Syrian Army. So that's been going on. Um, just to get some of the details <clears throat> out of the way, of course, you know, when this happens, you're going, uh, of course, there's airstrikes, people have been killed. Uh, the Kurds say that, um, you know, multiple civilians have been killed in these airstrikes. They've put, uh, you know, videos of people in hospitals. Um, so far, the videos haven't shown much, mostly looked like people with pretty minor injuries. Um, I haven't seen any videos of the actual, uh, you know, real damage yet um, or pictures, but I'm sure, you know, those will come because, you know, the, the Turks really did launch all these airstrikes. Damascus has responded um, pr predictably saying, you know, this is a violation of Syrian sovereignty. Um, the Turks are bad and they should get out of there. And um, the, the Turks had said that they told um, the Syrian government in writing that this was going to happen. The Syrians deny it and say they had uh, no word from the Turks that this was going to happen. Um, most countries are berating uh, Turkey for doing this, uh, including just today Egypt and Iran. Um, and Russia basically is staying out of it, saying it's not really any of our business. And, uh, and we'll get into all these responses and why they're kind of interesting. Because one of the... the Aside from words, like if you look at the actions of what uh, certain involved countries are doing, um, Russia had military advisors and, you know, people um, associated with their, um, I can't remember what they call their, their kind of mission on the ground there, um, like a reconciliation department or whatever it's called. They had, they've got people all over Syria and, um, you know, to bring in aid and to um, talk with locals and arrange negotiations and um, kind of settlements and, um, you know, treaties and things like that. And the Russians actually pulled their people out of Afrin. Um, and the reason they gave for that was to avoid any provocations. Now, um, maybe I'll just comment a little bit on that first, because this is, it's a, a dynamic that happens whenever you've got, you know, a foreign military in, uh, in a country. So the, the Russians basically have stationed themselves all over the place. So if you remember for the past couple of years, um, what the Russians have done is they'll have, they'll have their people in certain areas of Syria. And then what they'll say is that, oh, you know, not in, in well, in so many words, they'll say, well, if the U, to the U.S., if you guys bomb a certain area and you hit, um, you know, and a Russian dies, you know, that's going to be bad news for you guys. So, you know, that's, we won't accept that. And, and you'll, you guys will have to, you know, pay the price if that's what you do. So it's kind of a, um, a way of preventing any kind of um, what they call provocations or, you know, uh, military mishaps. It's not to say that mishaps don't actually happen and they do and they have, um, but they're usually dealt with, um, you know, with a calm head. Now, instead of taking the kind of, you know, aggressive stance that the, the Russians have in the past in regard to the U.S., the Russians, uh, in regards to the Turks, 
didn't do the same thing. They actually just pulled their people out and said, oh, well, this this will avoid any kind of like uncomfortable relations with Turkey in the event that, you know, Russians are accidentally targeted or killed in the Russian airstrikes. They just pulled their people out. And in a sense, that's almost like a, a green light. Not I wouldn't, well, maybe not necessarily a green light, but it shows like a tacit acceptance that this is, uh, this is what's going on and that they're not going to um, intervene and stop the Turks, for instance. So there is that. Um, Although, just on that point, Lavrov said that, that that report of the Russians pulling their their people out of the Ifrin area is uh, is not true. Well, when did he say that? Because um, I saw he that said it yesterday. Because, no? well, because I this is somewhat the somewhat confusing thing because there were like as soon as this happened, I, whether it was two or three days ago when the first news started coming out, there was a report that they'd pulled their their people out of Afrin, and then I saw the retraction. And the, the Russians said, no, that's false. We didn't do it. And yet um, in the last um, in the last like 24 hours, I've seen new reports saying that the Russians have pulled their people out. So either either these are just, you know, repetitions of the first false report or this is the, you know, a, a new report that this has actually happened now. So, you know, it could be that the, um, you know, that they hadn't pulled out at that point, but they have now or. Or you know who knows maybe maybe it is still a false report but uh, from what mm. I've seen um, it seems like they have like in the past 24 hours but you know I reserve the right okay. to be wrong. Well yeah I mean I think it's obviously politicking going on there um, and also the fact that um, there's the fact that if there are bombs being dropped from airplanes um, then and if, if if like the Turks don't necessarily know exactly where mm. or if the Turks say uh, where the Russians are if the Turks um, say, listen, we have to bomb or we need to bomb that area and the Russians are there, then, well, obviously the Russians are going to get out of the way, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a bit of both, you know? Yeah. But, well, just on we that do point, know We do know that the day before this started, the Russian Defense Ministry uh, hosted a meeting mm -hmm. with the chief of the Turkish army and the chief of Turkish intelligence, the MIT, mm -hmm. in Moscow. They met with um, the Russian number two under Shoigu, um, Valery Gerasimov. So they had a meeting the day before. Yeah, which is interesting. <clears throat> and um, go ahead. nothing, nothing clear came from that about what was to follow, though. But mm -hmm. well, I've read some. Uh, there's been some interesting stuff on Twitter. Hard to verify, but um, it's coming from multiple sources from different areas. So from Kurdish sources as well as Syrian sources. Um, so a possible um, possible explanation of what was going on with that meeting. Apparently, um, before that meeting, so before the Turkish uh, you know military went to, to Moscow to meet with the Russians, the the Russians had had a meeting with the Kurds, and. They engaged in some negotiations, and so again, there are Kurdish sources that gave their side of this story, that the, the Russians basically offered them a deal. They said that, um, like, we, the Russians, and Syria will guarantee your protection um, and will guarantee that Turkey won't do anything if you give control of the border to the Syrian government. So basically, if you let the, if you give the Syrians, you know, the Syrian government um, sovereignty and control over the area, um, 
Turkey won't do anything and, you know, we'll keep things safe and, and you'll have guaranteed protection from the government. Like the government won't, uh, won't attack you or do anything. And the, the Kurds um, admitted, you know, themselves, the, the negotiators, that they rejected this deal. They said, no way, we're not giving up control to the Syrian government. And then something like one or two days later, the, the Turks meet with the Russians. So, uh, so basically the Russians told the Turks, well, you know, we tried and this didn't happen. So very interesting timing on that. Well, just to take uh, a step back for a moment, um, the reason all of this is happening, uh, as we've covered in past programs, concerns Turkey's uh, con considering of the, um, of the Kurds a, a kind of a terrorist group uh, that could threaten Erdogan's um, Turkey and, and his ambitions for even a larger Turkey. Um, so he hates the, uh, the, the various factions of, um, of the Kurds. Uh, he feels that the U.S. has reneged on its promises to, uh, to not support them uh, in such a way as to create a force that would threaten Turkey in any way. Um, he feels betrayed by the U.S. Um, and so all of this has kind of been boiling in the background for the past year or two. And, uh, and this would seem to be um, Erdo Erdogan's kind of uh, commitment and statement to the U.S. Uh, in response to the U.S.'s bolstering of, of Kurdish factions uh, in, in northern Syria as well as in Iraq. Mm -hmm. Harrison, just go, give me the last bit of what you said there again, will you? That the, the Russians had basically told the, the Kurds, given them uh, the offer of a deal, that they, if they were to give up Afrin to, uh, this, under the control of the Syrian government, that they could guarantee the Syrian government's protection of the Kurds in Afrin and that Turkey wouldn't intervene in any way. Mm. And when mm. the Kurds rejected that outright, um, almost mm -hmm. immediately after that, the, the, the Russian military met with the Turkish military. Right. So that suggests that not, uh, that Turkey's kind of concerned about, obviously it has its own record as being, as saying that they're concerned about the, the fact that the U.S. is leading this, or seems to be um, kind of leading the Kurdish faction here. I mean, you know, and if it was the Syrians who had, had control over them, it wouldn't, be, wouldn't necessarily be a problem. Um, mm -hmm. For Turkey, uh, that, that kind of ties into, you know, my uh, own kind of understanding of the of the whole situation, which is that, um, you know, Russia, Russia after Russia involved, Russia involved itself or became involved in the, in the Syrian war and basically, you know, changed the whole outcome of it. Basically, um, stabilized the Assad government and you know. And a large swath of the country. That's when the U.S. Uh, went for their their Plan B, you know, mm -hmm. which was if uh, uh, facing into the possibility of a complete kind of rout or being, you know, it all coming coming to nothing uh, for the U.S. and Syria, that they decided to activate their their Kurdish option. This is a few years ago that the whole Kerry's Plan B, like back in early 2006, even beforehand, Kerry John Kerry, who was Secretary of State at the time, was talking about, or there were report talking about. Kerry's plan B, which was to uh, activate the Kurds or get with the Kurds, basically, and take uh, cities um, and area in, in northeastern Syria, where the Kurds traditionally lived. 
uh, in Syria, uh, most specifically Raqqa. That's why you had the, this, this liberation of Raqqa, where they bombed the hell out of it. And the Kurds, you know, there was a kind of a race at that time to get to Raqqa, uh, to control Raqqa, to liberate Raqqa from, from ISIS. Um, between the Syrian army, the Syrian Arab, Arab army, and and the Kurds under the direction of the U.S. and so the U.S. Get, can more or less got there first with their their bombing and, and with the Kurds and they quote unquote liberated Raqqa, which also we should note involved uh, freeing as as reports uh, as as was video evidence at, at the time and reports on the on the web at the time about them freeing or letting a bunch of ISIS commanders and their families etc. flee from get out of Raqqa, basically, mm-hmm. um, and, and go somewhere else, probably into the arms of America, which is its, uh, you know, Mother America, uh, or into the ranks of, of the Kurds in, uh, in one way or another, you know. So they, that was, that's America's plan B, was to effectively annex a part of Syria. If we can't have the whole thing that we planned initially, which was to overthrow Assad and basically take the whole country and make it a vassal state with a new government, we'll take what we can get, which is northeastern Syria where the Kurds were, uh, or Kurds are, along with a bunch of other tribal kind of factions in that area of Syria, which is historically underdeveloped. Uh, you know, it's kind of like some people refer to it as useless Syria. But it's not useless because it has that significant portion of uh, oil resources in Syria. So... Um, yeah, so it travels along the Euphrates River there, more or less. That seems to be the new kind of independent, what they're aiming for, which is an independent Kurdistan, you know. And now Russia wanted this whole thing to go in a different way, which was they would come in, get rid of Daesh, take care of the terrorist problem, stabilize the Assad government. And then, as Russia has been saying all along, that they would have um, they would have peace, peace negotiations with the various factions, the legit, legitimate ones in, in Syria. Uh, and that, those are the Astana peace talks, kind of led by Russia with Iran and Turkey involved as well in Syria and anybody else. So we come and we figure out what's going to happen in New Syria, who's going to get what. And obviously the, part of that plan was some kind of autonomy for the, I don't think the Assad government or anybody was against the idea of some kind of autonomy uh, for this, the Kurds in, in, in a part of Syria, in the northeast of Syria, mm-hmm. kind of a kind of Kurdish, Kurdish um, province there or whatever, semi-autonomous or something like that. Um and the Kurds probably wouldn't have been averse to that idea. Uh, but that has to be negotiated, right? So all the people have to get together in Astana and, and negotiate. But the Americans moved in. And what seems to have happened is that uh, they've, they've stolen the Kurds away by saying, listen, guys, why would you bother negotiating uh, in Astana with the rest of them, with Assad and with Iran and other factions and stuff for you know some kind of semi-autonomous part of the country for, for you when if you hook up with us, you can get, you can just get go straight to the goal, which is we can just more or less get you in there. We can secure an area, and maybe we'll even just go ahead and give you even more than autonomy, uh, some kind of partial autonomy. We'll give you an independent state mm-hmm. in northeastern Syria. We'll just declare it, and that's why the Americans see the Americans are kind of poo-pooing the Astana stuff, and 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 um, Tillerson himself has, has said has made reference to talking about a UN process. And the significant thing about a UN process is the UN would have, in theory, the uh, the authority to say we recognise Syria, Syrian Kurdistan, not even Syrian Kurdistan, the new Kurdistan. We have, we have the, we have the authority to we will recognise uh, a new country in northeastern Syria, and that's what uh, that's and of course that's what 
the U.S. would like to happen because they can't have all of Syria as a vassal state. They'll have at least a part of Syria as a vassal state, i.e. a Kurdistan in, in Syria. Mm. Um, and I think that is what um, is, is, is dangerous, seen as very dangerous from the, from the Turkish point of view as well. Obviously, they, they don't want any actual dec- uh, you know, fully independent Kurdish state anywhere in the area. Um, because that would then embolden or set a precedent for maybe a independent Kurdistan in, in Turkey, which would involve a big chunk of Turkish territory basically being lost. Uh, and so that's, I think that's why they were, um, that they're not happy about the U.S. leading this because it's more likely to go to an independent country, whereas if it was negotiated in Astana, the Kurds would more likely remain a part of Syria but have their own kind of problems. Um, but... At the same time, then you have the Syrian government, the Assad government, making very loud noises, angry noises about the Turkish uh, bombing or involvement, uh, you know, in, in, in the Ifrin area. That's ongoing right now. And, of course, that's understandable as well because um, the Syrian government obviously does not want any more bombing or, or honest territory, a continuation of the conflict, because over the past number of months, the whole thing has been about a peaceful settlement. Let's talk now. It's all over. It's done. Right. We're finished. And here comes Turkey with its bombs and its tanks on Turkish, uh, Syrian territory, uh, bombing the crap out of the place and, um, and, and effectively, in that way, continuing the conflict um, and, and potentially, you know, it being a longer conflict because now you're, it's effectively putting pitting the, the Turks against the Kurds, which might even embolden the Kurds to have, you know what I mean, to get, it, it's not peaceful, it's not a peaceful process, settlement type thing, it's, it's a war, it's a, like, as much as television and the Americans have always said, you know, are, are agreed with Putin apparently, last year there's no uh, military solution to this conflict, the Americans seem to be pushing uh, along the lines of, yeah, there is actually, you know, or mm-hmm. certainly it's going to be a, a militant or aggressive solution to the conflict, you know, where, where are they going to declare independence for a Syrian Kurdistan, Kurdistan in Syria, or we're going to continue the conflict in Syria. If we can't get it immediately, then we're, they're happy to allow the Turks and the Kurds to, to continue on in a, a protracted war for, for however long, while, while America stands, stands by and, and smiles. Yeah. And there's certainly the idea that, uh, that, that this kind of, uh, conglomeration of, um, of of Kurdish forces and um, and uh, Syrian opposition forces and, and U.S. training jihadis probably jihadis would would probably is probably being set up to uh, further the ambitions of the U.S. in Syria, and that is to create a kind of uh, base that uh, that still hopes to topple Assad by military means at some later time. Right. Uh, so it, it seems like they, you know, they have not given up on this idea. Um, and uh, certainly, yeah, you know, Tillerson re- recently made uh, statements that um, I, I think it was uh, one of these, um, maybe it was Stanford University where he spoke with uh, Condoleezza Rice, of all people, uh, and, and affirmed that they, you know, Assad still has to go because of how brutally he's treating his people. Uh, so <laughs> that plan B is, is, I mean, these are the seeds of it right there. Uh, right. the U S is not giving up and, uh, the, the Kurds have made the wrong decision yet again in aligning itself with, uh, the U S it seems. 
Well, Neil, did, were you going to say something? Yeah, the, we haven't mentioned it yet, but the catalyst for the timing of this mm-hmm. was the Pentagon's announcement last Wednesday that it was consolidating 30,000 supposedly Syrian Kurdish fighters, YPG slash whoever, SDF, right, the Syrian Democratic Forces, into a new Syrian border force. Hmm. Turkey was outraged by the announcement. And the next day, Tillerson said that somebody has misspoken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No such things happening. These are not the jihadis <laughs> you think <laughs> we're talking about. It was a kind of a Jedi mind trick. A grand announcement by the Pentagon. Tillerson comes up and says, no, 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 that never took place. Or we've no intention of doing such. Because, of course, you know, the U.S. is, well, it's, it's doing what it's been done throughout this. It's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Mm-hmm. Now, the Turks had to have gone, hang on a second, which of these two, we're going to go with the Pentagon. We'll trust what the Pentagon no, has. Who would believe anything those people say? Who should, at this point in their right mind, who would believe a word that Tillerson says? Well, give me a believe the Pentagon. Right, no, no, right. the Turks are going to go, yeah, we're going to go with the Pentagon the statement Pentagon being says. the accurate one. Not what the propaganda man, the mouthpiece in the State Department says. Because you've got to remember, the Turks for two years have been banging on about their, what they want out of this is a, what they called at the time, a safe zone in yeah. the north of Syria. Right. Well, that's the other part of it, is that it's not and just... It's the, not just the Pentagon basically by saying we're creating a Syrian border force, we're saying is, yeah... Here's your zone, and it'll be populated by armed to the teeth Kurds. Syrian Kurds. Right, mm-hmm. which is the last thing the Turks ever wanted. And of course, the threat, the, the problem, the, the other reason why the, the Syrians, the Saad government, isn't happy about what they keep on every time the Turks kind of infiltrate or uh, you know bomb or, or infiltrate into Syrian territory, they're not happy about that because they realize that. Uh, what that could end up being is that, uh, or, or, or what could end up happening is that the the Turks will, uh, in terms of securing their their borders, will take a chunk of Syrian land. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that that's ultimately what the Turks might do. That is kind of an, apparently annexing is, is is okay these days. So they may come in and just take a chunk as much of of Syrian land as as they can to 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 provide that safe zone that they've been talking about. And the problem in the middle of all this, the kind of fly in the ointment, the one that's instigating all of these problems is America. Mm-hmm. Yes. If yeah. they would just go away, you can see how everything would be pretty much sorted out among the people who actually are concerned with, with the region, who, who, who live there. Of course, the big question here is Israel. Why isn't Israel speaking up? Well, America speaks on Israel's behalf, right? Mm-hmm. Israel hasn't really said anything. Okay, it's been bombing, firing some missiles and stuff and bombing a bit in, in, in Syria in the, in, the in, the, in the west and the south. But... Um, they're quite quiet, but then you go back to like um, there's a, this thing called uh, the Yinon Plan. This was back in February 1982, and there's really journalist called Oded Yinon published an article that was called "A Strategy for Israel in the 1980s," and he argued that the fragmentation of Arab states in the region would play directly into the hands of Israel. He said, Syria will fall apart in accordance with its ethnic and religious structure. You look this up online, 1982. Syria will fall apart in accordance with its ethnic and religious structure into several states, such as in present-day Lebanon, so that there will be a Shiite uh, Alawi state along its coast, sunny state in the Aleppo area, another sunny state in Damascus, hostile to its northern neighbor, and the Druzes who will set up a state maybe even in Argolan, and certainly in the Haran and in northern Jordan. 
this state of affairs will be a guarantee for peace and security in the area in the long run. <laughs> uh, and that aim is already within our reach today. This is in 1982. So that guy had a, had a crystal ball back then, you know. Um, or else they've just been, you know, working towards that goal progressively for, for decades, basically. Yeah, well, all plans will converge when you have certain types of people thinking the same way. Mm. One way or another, it'll manifest. It's not so much that this is the plan from before. I mean, when the Americans, um, I forget his name, some neocon from the Pentagon, in the first Bush administration, he came out with his map of the Middle East. This is how we, we see it going. And it was similar to, to Yinon's, but I doubt he was basing it off. Mm. He was looking at the, he was looking at it the same way a Western psycho anywhere would look at the map and go, how do we control it? Well, look at all these ethnic pockets. Mm-hmm. Split them up. Balkanize. I mean, they even used the term. They, mm. they colloquially used the term of what they did to Yugoslavia and look at the Middle East the same way. Well, we've worked there, so let's do it here, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to um, take that call? Yeah, uh, we're going to take a call. So, uh, who do we have on the line with us? We have Stormrider. Good evening. 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 Social forum name Storm Stormrider. Hi, Stormrider. How's it Hi, going? Sasha. Hi, is it Sasha? Yeah, Sasha. Yeah, yeah, Sasha. Yes, yes. So, what's going on? Well, I want to discuss a little about Syria. If I can, sure. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Please yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, first of all, um, Harrison uh, said something a few minutes ago about um, um, meeting between Russians and uh, Kurds, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- I think uh, after that meeting, uh, the the U.S. Uh, have started with uh, provocations. Right. Hello? Yep, hello. Yes. I think that uh, uh, please accept my apology because now I'm a little excited. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right, Sasha. Yeah. Uh, So I think that all this uh, U.S. makes on purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, can you help me here a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Well, what you're saying? You're saying that after the after the Russians met with the Kurds, that's when the U.S. started the provocations. What do you think the the Russians and the Kurds talked about, or what what were the Russians talking to the Kurds about? Yeah, but uh, uh, Harrison said uh, that uh, uh, Russians want uh, for Kurds to. To get control over the border, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the for the Syrians to control the border. Yes, uh, like yes. Much with the Kurds, but yeah. but uh, U.S. doesn't want uh, this. Doesn't want uh, U.S. doesn't want to have control. Right. Uh, Kurds or uh, or someone else. They want to have control of this. That's why I, I think <clears throat> this is provocation, and especially for uh, this starts from uh, Tillerson. Mm-hmm. He said that he is going to uh, that uh, U.S. is going to t- to train. I don't know how many troops now. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm. Yes, yes. Again, please accept my apology. I'm I'm a little excited because now I'm speaking with you and. Hello, you, you can hear. Yes, me, right? we can hear you. Yeah, and it's all uh, good. Okay, yeah, yeah. 
what do you think the uh, what do you think have you thought about it in terms of what the outcome will be do you think there's going to be a independent Kurdistan uh, no, no I think uh, uh, Joe I, I think uh, now the US is playing same the same game as Erbil uh, you under, uh, you remember a few months ago what uh, they they did they start arming uh, Kurds right in Erbil mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in Erbil in northern Iraq yes in northern Iraq I, I think that now they are playing the same game in uh, border with Turkey and uh, because they don't have uh, the ally b- between um, US and uh, Turkey right now is not good I, I think they are using uh, this kind of this form of provocation exactly to to provoke the the Erdogan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they want to provoke Erdogan because they realize that that causes problems for Syria and for Russia and yeah. for for everybody yes. except America. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's what America yeah. does, but of course the the outcome isn't necessarily assured, right? They can have provocations, but they don't know that it will uh, it will work. Well, no one knows this, but uh, if if uh, this works, it's okay. If if it's not working, then uh, I think it's. I, I said I think it's it's um, exactly the same as Erbil. Now mm. they are waiting for, for. They are making. They are working on the ground. They are making. They are. Um, uh, working for for an, or waiting for another provocation. I don't think that just like that they, they will they will uh, leave uh, uh, all this uh, let's say Kurdistan all this area. Mm-hmm. They want to control this mm-hmm. to make uh, another country. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just I just don't. I'm not sure if they'll be able to to do it or not. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> we shall see. We shall yeah. see. We shall see. It, all, it depends on on whether the Kurds are are smart enough to realize that making deals with America is is always a bad idea, you know. And it's better to because uh, the Kurds, if the Kurds went with the idea of you know a thirty thousand force that would you know secure this area of northeastern Syria for them as a homeland, and they declare it unilaterally, and then the U America recognizes it, and some other countries recognize it. And it's done. That's that's a bad long-term solution because you're doing it by force, uh, and you're automatically going to potentially, you know, you're going to be in, in in there's going to be bad feelings between you and let's say Syria because it it was effectively stolen. It wasn't negotiated. Turkey is going to be very unhappy, uh, and, uh, and you know it, it. Yeah, and Iraq and it's Iraq as well because it sets a precedent, you know, for 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 them. So uh, for Kurds in in northern Iraq. So. Um, it's it's an it's not a good strategy for long term term stability for any kind of small independent state like that. It's crazy, you know. So the Kurds should should really, if they had any sense, they would they would follow the Astana peace process and uh, and, and and go with that, so that they get some kind of negotiated settlement. And they, I mean, it would be a lot for the Kurds to get because uh, uh, previous to this, the Kurds didn't have any uh, real autonomy in uh, or any kind of recognized autonomy in. Um, in, in northeastern Syria, so it's still an improvement for them. You know, they get at something, but if they stretch too yeah. far, they're going to get in trouble. You know, they're going to make make trouble for themselves. You know, and the Kurds, yeah. 
you know, the Kurds are nomads. You know that. You know yeah, the word no. Kurd is it, it means Iranian nomad basically. They're Iranian. They're, they ultimately came from Iran, and the ones in Syria now came to Syria in around the end of the, after the sec, after the First World War around 1920 21. Um, they were when Sex Pico was drawn were drawn the map of the, of the Middle East and stuff, and they came from uh, they came from Turkey uh, into Syria into north, northeastern Syria in, in about the 19 early 20s, and they were recognized. They were given citizenship. Uh, under the Sykes Pico mandate at that time, you know, so they're they're I mean they really are nomads and and sure they've been promised a homeland now and again by different people, but that's I think that's all just been they've been used basically all the time by foreign powers mm. as leverage, you know, uh, yeah. and in this case they've been used to do do fighting, you know, but then they they now they want something for for their fighting, you know, I mean I can't see any other way than with the amount of fighting that they the Kurds involve themselves in. Uh, in Syria, how they wouldn't want something as a result of that, you know. If they have nationalistic aspirations, Kurds uh, in, in northern uh, Syria, that they would, um, that they wouldn't want something like. But like I said, it's um, <clears throat> it's a bad idea to align yourself with America because America just uses people, you know, mm-hmm. and then yeah. throws them yeah. throws especially them away. Kurds for this moment, especially Kurds, mm-hmm. they are using Kurds for now, and I think. This is going to, uh, to transfer in Man Man Beach, Manji, how it's Man Be- say. Yeah, Man Beach. Yeah, Man, Man Beach. Beach. Yeah, yeah. Now I, I think that uh, is going to start there also. Upside uh, up by by the Turk by Turkey, but we shall see about this. Maybe in, in the meantime they will reach some agreement. I I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know, but now things are very crazy in this moment. Yeah, no one knows I hope the Russians what can, is here. Yeah, I hope the Russians can talk some sense to the Kurds, basically. Mm-hmm. I think that they are working very hard, very hardly. Uh, let's, if I say behind the curtain, but I don't yeah. know. Uh, I don't know actually, uh, but I think that. Uh, the the CIA operatives are working very hardly too, but we shall see what what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm. All all this is now it's a big mess, and uh, uh, all uh, and I think that uh, <laughs> Israel is 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 coming, but let's see what 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 is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what's really funny about this? If if they applied the rules in terms of uh, NATO. NATO was it Article Five of NATO in defense mm-hmm. of defense of one uh, for defense of all um, is um, if one country is attacked, other countries have to come to the raid. Well, yeah. let's see. Um, NATO's a Turkey. Na- or, Turkey's a NATO country. So yeah. Uh, so far, yes. If, yes. So so if Turkey attacks. SDF, you know, Kurdish forces, YPG forces in Syria that are, uh, you know, aligned, basically fighting, you know, or being funded or trained and fighting with American soldiers. Uh, and then those YPG attack Turkey back. Well, then can Tur- Turkey say that it was attacked by YPG forces and therefore activate Article F- Article 5 of uh, as a NATO member and then the U.S. would have to bomb their own soldiers in defense of Turkey. <laughs> that would be fun, no? Yeah. That's we one absurdity. 
That's one absurdity. Here's, a, here's another one. It's something that's completely lost in this maelstrom. What was the original reason for any of these foreign powers being there? Fighting ISIS. Fighting ISIS. Boys. So all the Turkish statements, I actually found one, I think it's from Friday, when they confirmed that, yes, indeed, we're, um, we're shelling Afrin. It's to deal with those terrorists from the PKK slash YPG slash SDF. And somebody apparently, an editor came along after and inserted in in square brackets <laughs> and Daesh. <laughs> because, well, yeah, you got to stick that in. Oh, well, yeah, Daesh too. Yeah. Yeah. Like the narrative is like, whatever, that's not important anymore. What's, what you're seeing, Syria, but what it's really about, you know? Um, if, if it's not the outright control of territory, it's the manipulation of groups via your proxies initially. So Turkey's proxies were, it turns out, you remember back in 2011, 2012, the Free Syrian Army? All the gallons of ink spilled about the Free Syrian Army rising up against Assad. Oh, mm. Turns out the Free Syrian Army was the Turkish right. proxy force. Right. One of many. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, oh yeah, so the Free Syrian Army and the Turkish military today invade Assyria. And you're like, well, right. what? what? Yeah. Hang on, what happened to... <laughs> of course, no one remembers, so it's, it's never really pointed out. But If I was there, now I'd go rob a bank, and whenever I got caught and was up in front of the court, I would say I was fighting ISIS. <laughs> Your Honor. Your Honor, I was fighting ISIS. And I'd say, okay then, off you go. Uh, yeah. Okay, Sasha, do you have anything else you want to add? I, I have uh, just one question. What do you think? Sure. Who is going to pay the the weapon uh, who is supplying the Kurds? Who's going to pay for it? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Erdogan, Erdogan gave a speech yesterday. This is the first time he's spoken since operation began. Um, uh-huh. At a an AKP party event, apparently. In which he said that, quote, some allies of Turkey have provided the YPG Syrian Kurdish militia with 2,000 plane loads and 5,000 truckloads of weapons. Mm. Now, he didn't say who, but uh, he, he's strongly insinuating it's the USA. Yeah. Another good bargain, right? For America, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes. Makes, makes so some money. Every, yeah, everything. And everything is about... <clears throat> Selling weapons. Everything is about making money. Yep. More or Absolutely, less. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> okay. I don't know how they're going to justify. I don't know how they're going to justify any any kind of long term presence of yeah. U.S. troops there because mm-hmm. for the past few years, the only thing you hear from America about the Kurds is that they've been fighting so valiantly. They're such great warriors and they're so trained. And you see you see videos of them and stuff. And obviously, these guys, you know, are yeah, they know how to fight. You know, they know how to use weapons. No problem whatsoever. So like, it's not like in Iraq where you can say, oh, they just got a conscript kind of army together and we had to spend five years training the Iraqi army. They don't have to spend very long training, you know, the, the, the Kurds in Syria, they, they're pretty well trained already, you know, so just give them the weapons and leave, right? Yeah? Okay, America? Just yeah. give them the weapons and leave. Make some money and leave. You gonna leave, America? When are you going? Why are you still here, America? Why are you still here? What are you doing, America? Don't you live 5,000 5, miles away? Yeah? Well, what are you doing here? I don't know. Just like it. For the desert, you know, it's nice. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, guys. It was, it All was right, nice to Sasha. speak with you. Thank you very much. You too. Thanks yeah. for calling, Sasha. 
Bye bye. Bye bye. Have a good day, bye. Take care. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Okay, we've mentioned the Astana. I actually think the Astana talks are closed for now. I, I couldn't find any upcoming dates on it. I know that there were discussions in Astana, Kazakhstan, in December. However, there is a date coming up. 20, 20, today, no? 29th. 29th I, I yeah. initially thought, thought it was today. It's actually 29th, 30th of January. The Syrian National Dialogue Congress is taking place in Sochi, Russia. Right, Sochi. That's, an, that's part of... Which is probably another reason for this erupting right now. Right. Exactly, yeah. They want to get some facts. Peace in the talks means it's settled. Right. Let's Big question is sabotage the, peace talks or put them off. Right. Today. Well, the question is, are the, are the Kurds going to go to these Sachi peace talks? And they're, they're invited. They're invited, but if they don't, what if they don't go and say, well, we don't really need to go anymore because we, we made a deal with America where America is going to give us a piece of Syria. Oh, right. Where did America get the authority to do that? I don't know. Pulled it out of his backside, I think. Well, a, a couple of interesting comments from the Kurds recently, one being... Um, that they were actually blaming Russia for allowing Turkey to, to attack Afrin. Um, right, yeah. uh, that, so, you know, the Kurds want it both ways, do they? Mm-hmm. They, want, they, want, they want everybody to the communists. feel sorry for the... Per, per, what? The communists. <laughs> the communists. Well, I mean, what, what is this? Like, you know, I mean, that's a problem. That's a really bad idea, really bad strategy. And I think the Kurds have done that repeatedly throughout their whole history. It's not, it's not surprising that they don't have... that they're used in this way. You know what I mean? Where you where you're gonna you're gonna let America arm you and you know create a thirty thousand force, but then you're gonna also uh, blame Russia for for not protecting you against Turkey, mm-hmm. and Turkey is, is attacking you because you've 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 said with Americans. Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of stupidity is is prevailing there? You know. Well, uh, I want to try to bring bring together a few points uh, because it's a pretty complex complex situation. But I think um, you know maybe we can make some sense out of it um now there's a few things i'm kind of gonna approach it from like you know a few things on the circumference of the circle and then try to bring it into the middle but uh just taking off on that point the the fact that the kurds are blaming the the russians is really ironic and it's funny because the russians if anything have been huge supporters of the syrian kurds like relatively right they've been like both protecting them arming them, funding them, involving them in negotiations, trying to get the best deal for them, trying to include them. And if you look what happened, the the Kurds basically stabbed the Russians in the back by going along with the U.S. through this SDF maneuver to to create this border force. Right. And so what what eventually happened is now Turkey, I think, um, you know, the the generals or whoever was involved in this move, it, it was actually a really smart, like, chess move. They took the one opening that they had and they're like exploiting it to the full extent because what essentially happened was the you the well, we have to back up a little bit to when Trump came into office and the things that kind of changed because um, as soon as Trump came into office or very shortly after there was a shift in Syrian policy in a few different ways. First, there was, you know, the 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 stopping of any official CIA support for, you know, the Syrian rebel program. Um, there was also this, this um, you know, the involvement of the SDF. Now, um, Andrew Ellingsworth, who uh, reports for Al Mazdar News, um, he's given some interesting overviews of the situation because at Al Mazdar, of course, they've got tons of sources directly in the in the Syrian military. They get like you know up to like up to the minute you know reports on um, battles and. Um, territory, you know, gained and lost. They also have sources within 
the SDF. Now, one of the thing that, things that Illingworth points out is that, um, first of all, like the SDF isn't entirely Kurds. As I mentioned earlier, there are mm. Arab tribes that are involved. Mm. And the thing he mentions is a lot of the Arab um, um, members of the SDF are actually like closet or secret Assad supporters. Like they support the government. Mm-hmm. And um, so they're essentially like Syrian government spies in the SDF. Now, one of the things that he said about the 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 um, the whole the whole thing that happened on the Euphrates. So you know the Syrians launched this massive operation to take back Deir Ezzor, and they were traveling down you know all the way down the Euphrates to to the border with Iraq. And at the same time, what was happening was the SDF was was fighting ISIS from like the north of uh, you know basically north area of the, the Kurdish-held area down south across the other bank of the Euphrates. Now, mm-hmm. what, what Illingsworth points out is that, um, you know, despite all the reports of, um, you know, ISIS defections to to uh, the SDF or the SDF just taking territory, uh, you know, with agreements with, uh, with, um, with ISIS, that there was actual real fighting. He points out that there was like there was communication between the the Syrian uh, army and the SDF like across the the border across the river, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. that the SDF was actually really fighting ISIS. And he says a lot of people didn't want to hear this, especially from Al Mazdar News, but it really was happening, and they were taking losses and they were engaged in real fighting. Now he points mm-hmm. out that this was um, like from what he's heard from from the Syrian side, is that there was it was basically an agreement between Russia and the U S that they would both go after ISIS. Cause that's, you know, on each side of the Euphrates, it was kind of like a tacit agreement. And, and that that's really what Trump wants. Um, that Trump basically is totally sincere in his desire to eradicate ISIS. And that, you know, that's probably the most sincere thing about, uh, about Trump's Trump himself and his foreign policy and his perspective. And so that, mm. that's actually what happened now. But what, but, but this um, this whole border security thing kind of came out of nowhere, and this was kind of a, a, a betrayal of all these kind of tacit agreements with the Syrian government, with Russia, and um, so what basically happened was that uh, now let me let me think where where I was going with this. Um, so the the SDF um, the border security. Um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. It's going to have to come back. Well, well, there was a statement made out of CENTCOM that Mm -hmm. we alluded to earlier. Oh, well, yeah. So this involves the, if you think about it, it's kind of like a repeat of the whole uh, situation when John Kerry was Secretary of State, Mm -hmm. where the the State Department will say one thing and and then the military does another. So there's this almost this kind of, there's still this kind of schizophrenia Mm -hmm. going on with the the U.S. military Mm -hmm. in a sense. So so Tillerson says, oh, you know, that's not what we meant. The, The Pentagon says, oh, no, that's really what we meant. And, um, and so the, the, so, so the U S changes the goalposts because for the last, uh, like for the first year of, um, of Trump's administration, they've been saying that the only reason that they're in Syria is to fight ISIS and that they'll, that, the, that basically they'll leave when ISIS is defeated, but they'll mm. stay as long as ISIS poses a threat. So that's kind of like mm. they, they left the door open. So even if there's one ISIS fighter that, you know, you know, mm. Is still there. They're going. They're going to still be there. But just mm-hmm. last week, the U.S. totally changed the goalposts. They said, "No, it's we're not there to, uh, you know, just to fight ISIS. We're there to contain Iran and Hezbollah mm-hmm. and and." Well, that's always been the case. Yeah, but now, but the, at least the Trump administration hadn't said that. You know, so mm-hmm. now they've said it. So they're basically continuing Obama policy. 
Now, mm-hmm. so that just makes me wonder, you know, speculate whether this is something to do with, you know, we had the discussion several weeks ago about Trump, um, you know, maybe um, pulling a little support from the from the Zionist, you know, Jewish community uh-huh. um, to, to give him a little boost, you know, to, to kind of take the, the heat off of him for a while. Now, and so that might tie into what's going on now with, you know, a deal with Israel where Israel is like, uh, you know, through the lobby is basically, okay, yeah, we'll cut you some slack if you, right. you know, let up on Syria a little bit. But the, the problem is that, so that they've, so the U.S. is now using the Kurds and basically has tacitly or maybe even explicitly offered them a promise of protection. Basically, we're going to give you guys, you know, this giant border force, you're going to do our dirty work. And I mean, the, the implication by that is that they're going to get U.S. support, and mm-hmm. and that they're not going to be you know thrown to the wolves. Mm-hmm. But you know that's a dumb assumption to make. So so what does Turkey do? Turkey sees this. Turkey wasn't consulted about this. You know Tur- they you know they didn't get Erdogan's permission or agreement to to create this border force. Turkey uh, so Turkey looks at this and says, "What the hell, guys?" And so what do they do? Okay, so what are the chances that the U.S. is going to actually, you know, back up their position and support the Kurds if we attack the Kurds. Probably not mm-hmm. very big. So mm-hmm. they're not going to do it. So Turkey takes that gamble and says, okay, well, um, we'll screw you guys. We're going to attack the Kurds in Afrin. Now, Afrin isn't even, um, you know, connected by land to the to the region where the SDF is, is going to operate as this border force. But mm-hmm. Turkey has its own, um, you know, reasons for wanting Afrin. Um, and Menbij, both on the the west side of the Euphrates River, but right. so so Turkey says, okay, well we're going to do this, and by doing that, they um, prove to the Kurds that the U.S.'s word is shit, that they won't mm-hmm. back up anything. So the mm-hmm. the Turks by doing this are proving to the Kurds that they can't trust the U.S. and the U.S. has basically just sold them out. Mm. So it's so they've they've. Uh, That'll be the test. Yeah, exactly. If, if after um, Erdogan has promised that it would just take a few days to take Afrin, <clears throat> probably, mm-hmm. and he also said yesterday this AK uh, party conference that we're going to Man Beach next. Mm. Well, let's yep. see. Let's see him do that because it is, there are definitely U.S. advisors in there in Man Beach. That's known, mm-hmm. and it will be the first time, and the actual forces, the military forces of one of the key players in this Turkey goes up against an explicitly publicly acknowledged proxy force of another. Mm-hmm. This would be like, I mean, it's, 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 it's potentially lining up to be a Mexican standoff between Turkey and the U S directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How and far you, you, you said Harrison that, uh, you know, th- this was a kind of a, um, uh, a thing that would allow the Kurds to see who their real allies were, uh, i.e., you know, the U.S., and and not um, and kind of sh- show through the U.S.'s duplicity in the whole situation. It's already happened mm-hmm. uh, in Iraq uh, when uh, when the Kurds tried to and did drive ISIS out of Mosul. Uh, they were driven out of Kirkuk by the Iraqi army, mm-hmm. and um, you know, as as the story unfolded the u.s didn't lift a finger mm-hmm. to a system mm-hmm. so uh there, it, there's already it, a precedent for this uh you know you want to shake these uh these kurds by the shoulders and and ask them what the hell do they think they're doing 
Uh, tell them to clean their rooms. <laughs> sort their, sort yeah, well, themselves out. The thing is, when you look at this, when you look at the overall picture of this, what you see is that you know the U.S. on record as having said that they're in the region, they're there, they're going to stay in Syria, they're going to do what they're doing now in, in Syria, creating this Kurdistan or, or appear to be pushing towards that in order to um, kind of thwart Iranian influence, to push back Iranian influence in the region. Well, if you just look at that and take away the propaganda, that's such an arrogant, obnoxious uh, approach to take. And I mean, in any other reality, somebody who was doing that would have their asses handed to them. You know what I mean? We're talking about a group of countries here, and it's Russia's backyard more or less as well. But you're talking about Iran, Iraq, um, Syria, Turkey, let's say those, those countries in the immediate region, and, and Lebanon, let's say. Um, leave out Israel for the moment. But those, those countries, if you take America out of this equation, all of those countries <clears throat> would undoubtedly, and it's very clear to, to see how they would come to a peaceful uh, settlement. The, 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 situa- or the, the conditions for that are already in place. Like The Iraqi and the Iranian governments at the minute are, for quite a while now, have been fairly uh, cooperative with each other. You know, and, and there's all sorts of like economic ties, like like Iraq and Iran have decent enough relations. Iran and Turkey have no serious problems with each other. Syria has no problems with 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 any of these people either. You know, and if left to their own devices, the whole this little community in that part of the world would all get on at least for a while anyway. Would get on pretty well with each other. You know, would do business and stuff. But you have this big, dirty American boot stuck in the middle of it. You know. You used to have a big, dirty ISIS boot stuck in the middle of it. Well, it was the same but thing. But all that's left now is the American boot because... Right, because that, but that has revealed what, what that was all along, what ISIS was all along. Where's ISIS in all this? What happened to their caliphate? Did it all just disappear so easily? And where are all those ISIS fighters? I mean, it's just gone up in smoke. Nobody talks about ISIS getting a caliphate now. We're actually talking about what the whole thing was really about all along. ISIS has been removed as the charade has been removed from the, the, the cover, has been taken away. And you see now what the whole point was, what it was all about anyway, which is America saying, we want to, we're staying in Syria, we're staying here. You know? And that allows you to reasonably conclude that ISIS was an American uh, proxy force from the very beginning to do what they are, are, have done up until now to achieve goals in the Middle East. ISIS, was, ISIS wouldn't exist without America and its allies and, and their agenda in the Middle East. And that's the amazing thing, you know. People talk about ISIS, and, and it gets parlayed into you know extremist jihadi, Muslim Muslim extremism, and it causes all sorts of problems in Europe and stuff in terms of uh, you know people's opinions about Muslims and all this kind of stuff. And it's it, it has all these extremely negative knock-on consequences, um, and it's just horrible, you know. I mean, yeah. Where's well, ISIS? What happened to ISIS? It, ISIS you know, was if, here. If you think about this non-strategy of the U.S. and Syria. Uh, if you think about their, you know, how their policies continue to shift and, and change, uh, the only reasonable conclusion you can come to is that the U.S. is an agent of chaos. It, mm-hmm. it just continues to work to exacerbate whatever tensions and disputes uh, might otherwise be settled in, in a different way. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you, know, you, you don't think about that. You don't... Um, you know, it, it's hard to conceive of a of a of a, <clears throat> a, a military or a, or a body of politicians existing to 
perpetuate chaos, pure and simple. Um, but it's not it's not hard to think of it whenever you look at the, look at what they have set themselves up as. They have set yeah. themselves up as many many decades ago as the world's policeman. Mm-hmm. Now the world's policeman gets paid, right? That's a job. That's your position. If you've set yourself up as this is my role in life is to be the world's policeman. What happens if peace breaks out around the world? What happens to your job as a policeman? It's not needed anymore, right? So, you know, you, you need to drum up some business to justify your position. And that obviously has direct correlation or direct corollaries with the idea of drumming the defense in the industry and the weapons industry drumming up business, drumming up conflict so that they can sell weapons. There was an interesting quote from uh, Colin Powell, uh, who was under the first um, – was under the Bush administration and, you know, in their attack in, of Iraq in the second Iraq war. And uh, it's funny that it only came to light in, in recently or, or that I only read, read it recently. But he's, he basically said, um, you know, I need an enemy. Give me an enemy. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here. But mm-hmm. it was a kind of a, a, a stunning, blatant admission of the way that these guys think, uh, that they need a force, they need a conflict to justify their, you know, their uniform, at least among, among some of the crazier uh, military types. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks like we've got a call. Uh, we got Stephen on the line. So, uh, Stephen, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me okay? Yep, crystal clear. Yes, um, I'm enjoying the conversation. You guys really go in depth on this matter that we that um, I don't find other places. You guys think deeply about it. I find this subject uh, both disturbing and fascinating, and um, I concur with the um, the conclusion that the the basic goal is just perpetuating chaos at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States. Um, has really effectively lost the re this is just my my interpretation they've lost the region um they went into iraq uh over a million people dead uh, millions more displaced um they're never going to be um accepted as an ally and a force of good by the iraqi people then isis uh develops this terrorist force oh we can't control them they're going to be around for decades this is what some of the stuff some of the U.S. military were saying. Then they go into Syria, um, you know, millions displaced, you know, over over like 700,000 people dead. And um, people fleeing from uh, northern Africa and Libya and Syria into Europe. And uh, what I always found interesting is that in the wake of all of this massive immigration, and you don't know who these people are, some of them were, were uh, jihadist sympathizers that go into Europe. Um, I, I heard accounts from some Christians that had to flee that these people in Europe were not their, um, the bulk of them were not their allies. They were jihadist sympathizers. And just sitting from where I'm at, just looking, reading an article here, a little bit from RT, a little bit from BBC, you can hardly wrap your head around what's going on, but it's almost like, like you said, the thesis about chaos is just spread all of this um, mass immigration into Europe that will suppress, um, that will cause instability within these countries that um, if they ever got their their act together, they might want to uh, cease NATO and uh, develop a more 
independent uh, block of nations in Europe that becomes friendly with Russia. So just spread all of this chaos around. Uh, you control the, the major currency, the dollar. And um, as far as this situation in, um, in of United States carving out this section of Syria, um, I just can't, I can't think of any way, shape and form that this is viable into the long term. Um, that the United, that this, this, if they ever did arm these people and set up a military base to protect this group, they would, they would, uh, they would have a falling out with Turkey. They will be forever seen as a pariah group of people. Um, this section of, uh, Syria that's controlled by the United States. Iran would be their enemy. Iraq, Iraqis Mm -hmm. by and large would be their enemy. Syria Mm -hmm. would be their enemy. It would, it Turkey. could someday, yeah, Turkey would be their enemy. So, um, I think that, um, I think that this is, it's not, and um, it's just my thinking on this. It's not that Trump, um, God bless Trump, but I, I don't think he's thought deeply. He turned this over to the deep state, what you could call the deep state. Um, and, um, he's kind of sitting back and following their advice, but he's not really well informed in this. Yeah. Um, maybe Trump, knows that this is not going to pan out, but he has to kind of go along with the deep state because they mm-hmm. control the uh, so much of the Congress people, um, the defense industry, which is mm-hmm. just a, the defense budget is just a way of priming uh, welfare for the super rich, t- um, taking our tax dollars and the, the money generated from printing money and just letting it go to the very top 1% and just happens year after year. And um, so this, this, is, um, this is probably a prime example of a policy um, that kind of spells out the uh, – kind of indicates the end of empire because um, it's just – it seems to me like a total desperation move on the part of people that are kind of uh, – you know, making decisions as they stumble along that um, right. comprise. They don't know the, what else to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, and it's a uh, it's enjoyable to watch, <laughs> but but it's also painful because you know there's real people there that you know. The sooner the United States gets out, the sooner they destroy these jihadists in Syria, um, better for every nation and every people in the region. That's just yeah. the bottom line. Mm-hmm. But part of the goal, Stephen, at, at least to some degree, would be to uh, prevent Russia and uh, and its its allies of achieving any kind of stability. So, you know, there have been statements from um, uh, General McMaster of the Trump administration, uh, where basically he's saying and, and has said in, in speeches to people um, that you know, we don't want to, it's not, it's not our goal necessarily even to win anything as much as it is to prevent the other side from winning and to uh, make the cost of, of uh, achieving any kind of stability in the Middle East so high as to deter uh, Russia and other countries uh, from achieving it. Um, And uh, Mike Whitney of, of Counterpunch had some excellent comments along those lines. Basically, he says uh, the object of forward deterrence, which is what McMaster was advocating for, is not to win the war, but to prevent the enemy from winning. The downside of this theory is that when neither side prevails, 
There is no political settlement, no end to the fighting, and no path for returning people to their homes so they can resume their lives in peace and security. So, uh, you know, looked at in those terms, um, as long as there is a perpetuation of chaos, even, and instability, uh, it, it is seen among these psychos in Washington as a kind of a win. Um, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know, you know what I really, um, you know, I really have so much admiration for uh, Vladimir Putin and Russia for just getting involved at that particular juncture. And um, the reason I have such a strong opinion in that matter is that. Um, Really, um, this is this is this is my view, and it's not popular among many people. But uh, if we one thing, if we don't have international law, if we don't have you know, if, if we don't if we don't have just some basis of of law in the world, then it's just it's just pure might makes right, and the biggest mm-hmm. most well armed thug can just cause chaos and and just crap all over everything and destroy everything. And um, by Putin, when Putin became involved in that, I think that was a very, I think it was a very shrewd and calculated um, decision that he made. He be, he believed that he could basically set the U.S. up into a trap in Syria, and um, because I think that the eventuality of what he foresaw is exactly what we're seeing happen right now with this desperate move to uh, set up this little statelet there for the Kurds. And it's going to be a failure and it's going to, it's really, uh, I think it could be kind of a jujitsu where this ends up sapping the United States' attention and energies to where instead of um, the United States developing uh, economic alliances with African countries or Latin American and bolstering that end, that is a win-win for parties. It's just set in this destructive kind of mafia um, chaos mode of operation. The other, and, and that's also why I think that they're continuing to arm these, um, these fascists in Ukraine just to try to keep, uh, keep Russia off balance with the hope that Russia will make a, uh, uh, will make a move there that's, um, that's going to be detrimental to Russia in the long term. But Russia hasn't taken the bait there. Mm-hmm. It's just been it's it's ready um, if Donbass is attacked again. Russia's ready to send their their uh, helpers in there and destroy the bastards, and um, that's what's going to happen. But Russia's not going to go in there and invade and take tor- territory and so forth because that would be falling into the U.S. trap. But um, I, I think that you know I think that Trump by and large would like to do better for the United States. But we're there's such a momentum from decades of this mafia style imperialism that Trump, no matter his best efforts, you know, really can't counter the momentum. No, and not just not just uh, momentum, but there's a, there's also along with that momentum, there's uh, structures in place that have been there for you know 50, 60 years, let's say, of a kind of almost parallel kind of CIA secret team military operation that. Uh, the, our, our military operations center, let's say, where where they do stuff that is completely beyond the the oversight of of even the overt military, you know, uh, maybe some dark room in the Pentagon or something like that. But Trump can change, can bring in different generals and stuff, 
But I'm talking about the kind of CIA ops that, you know, in South America during the 70s and 80s and stuff where they were able to run uh, weapons and training and stuff to uh, to Contras, you know, to basically mercenaries like, like ISIS. And, and Reagan was the last one to find out. Right. And, and, and they find out about it, but you can't do anything about it because these people operate with their own funds and with their own kind of buying weapons on, on their own steam, basically. And they can fund armies, proxy armies, to, to wreck parts of the world that then, you know, uh, provides a justification for the U.S. to quote unquote intervene, and a president coming yeah. in can go. He can might find out about it, but he can do bugger all about it. You know. Well, right now, um, I would venture to say, if, if the, the truth were really to come out, that this this same group that you're talking about, you could call it the deep state. They're getting right. tremendous amounts of money from heroin from Afghanistan, and they're right. also making profit from cocaine coming from Colombia, and. Um, right. You know, yeah. I, this is this is what Trump is up against. And frankly, um, I don't know if Trump was intelligent enough or, you know, really knew how corrupt it was. Maybe he did because he's all of his Probably life. Not. He's had to. But um, but then he finds out about it and there's almost absolutely nothing he can do to mm. challenge it. And remember, the last president mm. to try to challenge this group was um, I think it was off. John F. Kennedy. And um, mm. they they murdered him in broad daylight. You know, mm. they got mm. away with it. So yeah, it's crazy. Oh, but um, I'm I'm happy that um that all of these actions are going to lead to the eventual demise of the United States as a sole superpower, and then we can have maybe a more multipolar world where there's more kind of competition on the global stage, and there's um and and China and Russia are smart enough not to try to develop um, a power system that that is the same as the, the kind of same dynamics as we've seen with the United States for, you know, for, you know, over 80 years now. And I, that's the only hope I have right now because mm-hmm. we have so many problems. You know, I know this is almost useless to even mention it, but we have so many problems environmentally, socially, with the world capitalist system, um, just with population, we have so many problems that if we can't actually cooperate and get past this kind of bull crap, then um, it's going to really look a lot bleaker for humanity in general going into the next hundred years, you know, so who knows. Mm-hmm. But anyway, hey, thanks yeah. a lot for letting me have my say today. No problem, Steve. you got a bird in the background there, yeah? Yeah, there's a you bird a there that yeah, – there's what, a, a parrot in the other room. Yeah, there's an Did African he- parrot. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> it takes yeah. takes a lot of work, no? Well, yeah, the the parrot is a yeah, he's an interesting character. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he taught picks him. Up, a, well, he picks many, up words. Well, you know, you he can't taught him any rude this. ones. No, well, the parrot will like just f, f f Trump. No, <laughs> no, not my no, president. Nothing like that. <laughs> no, I'm I'm personally, I'm just, I'm really kind of like emotionally and psychologically, I I, I really do. Um, my biggest beef with Trump right now is just the whole dreamer thing. I think that these people brought mm. here as children. We should find a solution toward it. But um, I totally respect Trump in that recognizing that we need to control immigration. But um, some of his some of his supporters um, that are anti-union and that kind of small-mindedness, mm. I just I have no no commonality with them. But on the other right. hand. When on the other hand, when you look at these liberals, the people that supported Clinton, you're just like, what the heck? I can't, I yeah. can't, I can't be in that crowd either. Especially 
when you see some of these so-called progressives that are actually cheering on the jihadists in Syria. You're like, what mm -hmm. the hell? You know? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a, real a crazy mixed bag. world. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a real very... mixed bag, and that's part of the problem. There's no one person who's going to come along and take all the boxes type of thing, and it's really hard to find, if you're looking for someone to kind of come and solve all the problems, it ain't going to happen, you know? If anybody no, there's is, nobody, nobody on the horizon. I think Ch uh, Tulsi Gabbard, she could potentially be a good leader, mm. but um, she has her own, you know, a lot of baggage as well. But she's mm. better. I would prefer her as president than anybody else that I know as a personality. Mm. You know, just mm. that. So anyway, I doubt it's going to happen, but uh, we'll see. No okay. telling what's going to happen. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Right. Bye -bye. No problem, Steven. Thanks, Steven. Okay. So, there's one silver lining in this specific mess in the Middle East, right? Is it, is it structural racism? <laughs> what? Is it structural racism? No. No? Okay. It's that, you know, we were discussing Dope. just before Steve called that um, it's almost as if the U.S. actively wills itself as an agent of chaos. Mm. Well, whether it does or whether it's just a result of what it does, mm. <clears throat> look how one thing bled into the other. I mean, even before the first Iraq war, the idea of med meddling in the Middle East produced a horror show where Iraq and Iran went at each other. And there were a million deaths in Iran alone and something similar in Iraq. It was a just, just total. I mean, and the U.S. you know, ching cashed in on both sides, mm. weapons sales and so on. And then the first Gulf War, and the second one. And what was the second time around? I think the Iranians were not maybe not ready for mm -hmm. it, but they responded. Mm -hmm. And I remember still the the early years, two thousand mid two thousands, the ranting by the neocons about growing Iranian influence oh, yeah. in the region. Absolutely. Because what was happening, it was creating a vacuum, and the Iranians were going mm -hmm. in of course. and helping Shiites in Iraq. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's that been a repeated motif. Obviously, Israel's been barking about this nonstop. But the U.S., too, whenever they do make some kind of strategic, coherent sense about why they want to do X in the Middle East, mm -hmm. it's to thwart Iran. Stimmies, because of growing Iranian influence, which is spreading Yeah, because it's around 80, 80 million people on a, on a crap load of, of natural resources. Right, but they... For the same reason they hate, hate Russia. America hates anybody who has natural resources and natural power and a, and a strong population who could, but, who could control, who could not control the world, but be a, a major player. And they hate them. For but it. The, the opportunity they gave to Iran to do that, exercise influence in the region, they did it themselves. Yeah, I know. <laughs> By blowing away Iraq. In an effort to stop them, yeah. They and actually. now they've blown away Syria. And what's happened? Iran has spread even further westward. And it's practically, it's, it's, it's teamed up with mm -hmm. Hezbollah. No longer this long-distance relationship. Those two are fraternizing right. in southern Syria right on Israel's doorstep. And the right. one thing they didn't want to happen in their long geostrategic plans of the last 40 years mm -hmm. has, has happened. Right. <laughs> It's, it's, they so it's an agent of chaos, but it's, it's amazing how it's also an incredible um, instructor on how to deal with adversity because the countries – I mean, here's one relationship alone that would have been in, unthinkable 30 years ago. Turkey and Iran are basically allies. Mm -hmm. They were not before. Mm -hmm. yeah. Iran and Iraq, remember they just slaughtered each other 30 years ago. They're allies again. America just doesn't know how to stop, though. That's the problem. Like, like we were saying to Stephen, there doesn't know any other way 
and it wants to dominate and it doesn't know how not to dominate. It doesn't know how to play fair, basically, in the world. America has, uh, and this is the, the contrast or the, the confusion around, but look at America, isn't it so great and stuff? And it attracts people to, to America and to the American capitalist system. And the American capitalist system does work relatively well in the sense of most people you know, do well out of it and it's, it's got a high standard of living and all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, <clears throat> the problem is that, so, so that capitalist system, I mean, it has a lot of flaws and stuff and there should be a mix of different things, but let's say there's nothing nothing so bad about it um, and that it works, it's, it's, it's one of the best of a bad lot, let's say. But what it, America doesn't apply that. What it applies back at home, which is, let's say, benevolent capitalism, relatively benevolent capitalism at home where everybody gets a bit of something, Abroad, they use imperially, they use imperial predatory capitalism. They don't actually export what they have at home. They pretend they do, but they don't. They, when abroad, and, and there's your structural racism <laughs> amongst the elites. They, it's because it's not our people at home and it's not our country, we will just uh, loot and pillage the place. No, no, there's no trickle down economics for, for people in, 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 in conquered countries or invaded countries. It's like, we're just going to wreck the place and, and, and you know make as much money out of being here as possible and get as much control as possible. Ultimately, it's about wealth and resources and controlling all of that. And, keep, and even more so today, it's not so much about getting more stuff. It's about stopping other people from getting stuff. You know what I mean? If, there's no end to that downward spiral where you're out there to dominate and control. I mean, you ultimately can't stop yourself. You don't know any other way. And you ultimately will wreck everything that you do. You just get worse and worse and worse. Like this guy I used to know uh, when I was young, he was... Uh, he had, you know, sideburns, or, or locks we call them, but sideburns, you know. And he was going out one night, and he and he, want, and he wanted to tidy them up, you know. And so he, he he shaved both of them, you know. But he looked in the mirror and he saw that they were uneven. So he had to do the other one a bit higher. But then it was still the other one wasn't even. So, and he kept going up, and eventually he was like, we had a great laugh when he was out, like because he had he had them, he had shaved himself like halfway up to his te- up to his temples, basically. You know what I mean? He didn't know how to. He didn't know. And just he, leave the damn thing alone. He looked you know like I mean? somebody should be in the asylum. Right, exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> he kept going, oh, a bit here, oh, a bit there, oh, more there, more there, more, up, 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 you know. And it was just the exact opposite. He got exact the exact opposite of what he wanted to, which was to tidy himself up, yeah, and looking like a freak. Uh, and that's what's going to happen in America. Well, the way the way I've, I've seen it is like, uh, it's funny that they use the, the terms like plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, and it's, uh, it's kind of just a convention. But the way I see it, it's like, Let's say you've got, like you're a soldier, and you've got several different options to achieve your objective, each involving a smaller weapon. So you start out with like your rocket launcher, and you you throw everything you've got at your your enemy, and you run out of rockets, and the plan failed. So it's like, okay, on to plan B. You take out your M16, you fire all your magazines, you know, you run out, the enemy's still there, it's like, okay... Uh, on to the next plan, you know, you take out your, uh, you know, automatic pistol with, you know, three clips, shoot all your, all your rounds. It's like, okay, that didn't work. And then finally, okay, you've got like your knife. And so at no point during this, does the soldier just say, okay, my, I cannot achieve my objective. You know, each plan that I've put into motion has had significantly less chances of, of, um, of success than the one before it, but I'm just going to mm. keep cycling through the motions, even though I know I'm going to fail ultimately. That's the way it's, it looks like the U S has been like they had their, their first plan, which was like probably the best plan had the best chances of, of success. And each successive plan has 
fewer chances of of success and mm-hmm. more chance to just screw up and you know leave yourself with a black eye. And What's the phrase? The law the law of diminishing returns. Huh? Yeah. So it, it's and it's it gets to the point where you know it, it looks like they're just you know running their um, um, they basically ran a computer program for all their war games mm. you know with their initial objectives. And it spit out a list of, you know, the possible things to do. And they're just, you know, running through the motions. And at no point do they just say, okay, maybe it's time we just call it quits because really, you know, we're on plan F and there's only like a 0.02% chance of success. You know, maybe we should just call mm. it quits. But they don't, they don't do it. It's like they've got to gotta check off every box, but each one just ends up failing. And so, and each one has been a failure, you know, over the last three years, you know, successively, mm. each one has failed. And you'd think that they'd you know, just finally get it, but uh, it looks like they've just got to run through all the options, and I guess, you know, at le- yeah. like, the silver lining of that is just that, you know, at least, you know, every plan that they choose is a worse one than the one before, so, you know, unless they want to blow up the world, then, you know, they've got to give up sometime, or lose. Well, that's the problem. It, it, it's it's the, the guy who sent in the soldier to begin with, who uh, who, who doesn't see uh, how irrational and how crazy his own plans are. And who will then resort to uh, the dirtiest of tricks in the form of false flags or or other underhanded means to uh, secure the objective, which is uh, again, you know, making sure that that the enemy loses, even even at whatever cost it is to his own group. Um, so that you know, that's kind of uh, what's at work here. I think is, is this um, this nonstop pathological. Uh, win at all costs, uh, even if it means losing, uh, objective, um, mm. scorched earth. Uh, and, um, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little scared to see how far this will go, uh, considering mm-hmm. how far it's come. Yeah, but there's, there's not a, there's not that much territory left to scorch, right? I well, mean, they could just burn it all down. <clears throat> Well, and that's yeah, that's the thing. Is that well, are they really going to go in that direction? Are they like are they really going to nuke Syria? <clears throat> I don't think so. No, but you know they'll just keep wrecking places time after time until something wrecks wrecks America. You know. Yeah. Um. Okay, gents. I think that wraps up well, the discussion. We have four. Turkey. Yeah. We have something um, else. Talk about structural topic. Structural racism. Structural ra- racism. What about uh, Stephen mentioned Trump? Today's the anniversary of Trump's inauguration, mm. by the way. Um, oh, it's been a year. Do you want to talk about the government? Sorry about that. Three cheers for Trump and all the tweets. Many more to come. Thanks for the tweeteries. Stephen mentioned Trump and DACA, and that's tied in with the shutdown. The U.S. government shutdown. Wouldn't it be a great day if the U.S. government actually shut down? Turn the lights off for good. For all of us. Um, anyone know what that actually means? Government um, shutdown? Yeah. It just means I haven't agreed on a, on a budget to continue paying all the all the lackeys that work in the government. So no one gets paid? In theory, yeah. We'll probably get back pay or whatever, but it's a stupid stupid thing. Anyway, it happened, it's happened under Obama. It happened yeah. several it times. It happened it's, last in 2013. It's nonsense. Like, it's complete nonsense. Really? Um... Is this trumping hell hostage? Order? I would rather a government shut up than a government shut down. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, this, yeah, it'll just it'll get resolved, and you know. But yeah, it's the whole immigration thing and and structural racism. 
Structural racism. This is your new favorite term, isn't it? Yeah. Is this a cousin of institutional racism? Uh, I'm not, institutional racism, structural racism. I don't know. They sound similar, yeah. I think your institution would have structural racism. You're institutionally... Built into it. Yeah. It would be part of the fabric of, of society. Does anybody think there is structural racism in America? Uh, how, well, define it. Well, the, 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 uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll just say yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like everybody's racist or something. The racist, the whole edifice. Well, the, the patriarchy. You used it just for 10 minutes ago, but that was in the context of the U.S. vis-a-vis the rest of the world. Yeah. But that's something else. That's, that's, that reminds me of what's called Eurocentrism. Yeah, America has structural, imperial, structural imperialism. Yeah. Uh, that's what's bit built on, obviously. But, um, yeah, I don't know. No, it's just a, it's a, so it's a new social justice warrior term that I learned today. Thanks, thanks to uh, a guy on Facebook. Ah, I see. Who says that there is structural racism in America. Okay. He didn't say what it was, but it sounds bad, no? It does. You don't want any structural racism in your country. like, uh, and, and just use that term and everybody will agree with you that, that it's there. It sounds like he knows what he's talking about. No, no, actually, it sounds like he doesn't know what he's talking about. For those that can see through it, obviously. But anyway, um, I wanted him to call in, but he, he was too scared. That's a shame. He prefers to sound off on Facebook and then run away. Anyway, um, yeah. So we call it there, folks, or unless there's any other business. Mm, no, I think that's everything. So thanks for that note. Thanks for calling in, Sasha and Stephen, and uh, thanks to all the co-hosts for doing your thing. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye bye. Take care. Thanks for listening. See ya. See you next week. Bye.